Hi everyone, me again. Um, unfortunately, Reese has a small echo again in this episode. It's a lot. It's not as bad as before. Um, I did use different headphones. Like I said, I was going to the very noise cancelling, so I thought there'd be enough. But he was quite loud on my side, and I guess a tiny bit still eat through to my microphone. So next time, I'm just going to try earphones. I apologise. I'm new to the whole podcasting scene. This should definitely be the last time that that happens. Thank you for being patient. Enjoy the podcast. Love you lots more. Hello there, and welcome to episode two of Pictures Without Pictures. Um, I keep almost calling it Pictures by Pictures, which would make no sense. So I'm glad I've not done that yet. I'm glad I've not fumbled that. With me today <laughs> is my co-host, Reese. Uh, hi, Reese. Hello. How are you doing? Hi. Do you want to sing us I'm in good. for the theme song which we agreed upon before we started? Way to put me on the spot. <laughs> um, <laughs> we did not agree this upon is the, the theme Okay, song. this is the theme song. Okay. That's the theme song. That's um, an amazing theme song. I love it. <laughs> we now have to do um, that for the next 500 episodes. No, it, it will like slowly build into a song. That's what will happen. <laughs> so every week we get another clap or another noise. We get another note, yeah. Yeah, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> what have you let yourself in for? Tony's chest is... It, it'll, it'll die very quickly. Tony's chest here on the stream is doing all sorts of things because I've just discovered as we've started talking here that that's a visualizer. But um, Ooh, the reason nice I haven't been using visualizers is because it can't pick up my mic. So you're just going to get a visualizer for Reese's voice, but that's fine. It's the only voice yes. that really matters anyway in this podcast. It just means I have to talk more. This is my show now. <laughs> <laughs> we're, on, we're on Spotify now. That's a thing. Episode two, and it's already becoming a hostile takeover. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was counting the episodes. I'm surprised it took this long. Uh, Can you believe anyway. we're on Spotify? That's that's pretty nutty. You can search for pictures without pictures on Spotify, and we just show up first result. Um, I found a website, and I'm not sponsored by them in any way, but I am going to give them a shout-out because they sorely need our spotlighting, obviously. Um... Um, because it's a pretty fucking amazing website. It's called Anchor. Um, I <laughs> I talked about this on a video recently, and I said, oh, it's like Anchor, as in, you know, when you're on a boat and you drop the anchor. It's not at all. It's like Anchor as in when you're a news anchor and you're talking about things. That makes far more sense. It's a podcast, yes, ho- it's a podcast hosting website in its own. Uh, it has loads of tools, um, including the part I'm worst for, which is I have no idea how to make a fucking logo for anything. And they were just like, here's millions of images to choose from and slap together and make something that doesn't look half bad. So for now, um, we've got a little little logo that I'm pretty pleased with. We look semi-professional. And we are not only on Spotify, we are also on, what was it, Radio Public? Um, Yeah, yeah, Radio Public. Uh, And a few others. iTunes is pending and Google Play, I think, is pending. Um, but it's amazing because you just press a button and it does all that shit for you and that makes me sound old because that's just kind of a way technology works these days anyway but I'm not Tony Stark I can't figure all of this shit out and I was looking into how to nice dude. get thanks I thought I'd bring it back to the main topic uh, I thought <laughs> very smoothly um, I was looking into how to make this shit work by uploading it to Spotify and it was all like 
I don't know anything about coding, so I can't even say if it is coding, but it looked Cody to me. Like, oh, put, like, there's these brackets and you've got to put this and the name there. And I was like, Bleh. and then obviously the website's like, well, no, dude, we'll just do that shit for you. And I was like, oh, it was amazing. It made me very happy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was awesome. Uh, it was very cool to find. Um, but Christian, what yes. are we talking about today to get back on topic? Uh, we're talking about the fact that we have a podcast and it's on spot. <laughs> no, uh, we're talking about the movie Iron Man too. That's literally the podcast. <laughs> Indeed. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, it's a podcast about a podcast. That's. I wouldn't put that out of, out of the possibility of something I would make. To be honest, um, I like making dumb shit like that. But we're not making that. We're making a. a podcast about movies and iron man 2 is the one we're doing today reese do you remember when you iron first man saw iron rips. man 2 did you see it in the cinema i don't think i did no i think i think i um uh i didn't i think it was one of the ones i didn't see in cinema unfortunately i definitely saw the first one but i didn't see the second one but i remember it quite well i actually um found i remembered this one a lot better uh than i did the first one so hmm. that's interesting i I think the first time I saw any version of Iron Man was when I saw the Avengers. And actually something to note here is that I've been realising as I watched Iron Man 2 that I've seen most of these MCU movies just once. Um, yeah. And I don't remember a lot of them. So even though we're getting into the territory uh, where it's movies I've seen, even though this is mostly a podcast about movies that I haven't seen. Um, it's still not ones that I remember very well or I'm very familiar with. Like, I haven't seen Infinity War more... I might have seen that twice, actually, but I've seen Endgame once since it came it out. I've seen, I watched Endgame twice as well. I haven't seen The Avengers since it originally came out. <laughs> so, um... I, both Infinity War and Avengers, I went to the cinema twice to watch. Oh, nice. So. That's cool. <laughs> I was in one of those um, groups. You were? Yeah, when back, back in a day when... When you could go outside. We didn't talk about that. You could actually go out and do things. Yeah. But oh well. Um, those days are dead. <laughs> They'll mm -hmm. come back one day. It's fine. Um, yes. I remember the reason I saw Iron Man 2, this was before I gave a shit about watching every movie in the MCU, is because I wanted to watch Iron Man 1. And Marvel, not Marvel, Netflix was like, look how many Marvel movies we have. Look at all this stuff. And I went, cool. And I searched for Iron Man. Yep. And Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3 mm -hmm. came up. But they did not have Iron Man 1. And I went... It's the same issue with Captain America. Huh. It, the, the Winter Soldier yeah. was on there, but the first one wasn't. Yeah, it was so dumb. And I was just like, fuck it. Guess I'll start with two. I never do this, but that's what I did, I remember. Um, and mm. now that I've seen one and two together... Um, it sounds weird, but I feel like I didn't miss out on too much starting with 2. Not that, no, like, it's... Iron Man 1 is a brilliant film, and I actually think Iron Man 2 is not as good, we'll get into that in a bit. But I think you can pretty much infer the origin of Tony's story through Iron Man 2, and that's pretty much what I did. Yes. That's something I think that's very good with the MCU in general, why it's so easily got so many fans, and it's very easy to get into as well, is because it's the worst gate kept thing ever in that everything in while it is linked it you can still watch any of the films and not be lost by what's happening yeah that's very true i mean the context makes it better but also you can just watch it as a thing because it does set everything up and be like oh this is this character this is this character without obviously being like trying to reintroduce everyone 
again. That's true. Like I, they do it in a way which introduces the characters without being obnoxious. Like every time, being like, "Oh, this character, you remember this character," and it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I have two Blu-rays in my whole life, and that's for Ragnarok and Infinity War. And I gave or I lent for Ragnarok to my parents, and I was like, "This is one of the best movies ever made. Go watch it." And I didn't even know if they've seen four, one or two, and I know they haven't seen all of the MCU, but. The best part is you don't need to. Like, plot points from the first two movies, yeah, your your understanding of that movie is better for them, but you don't need them. You can still enjoy it for what it is. And this isn't for Ragnarok, this is Iron Man 2 we're talking about, but it, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I didn't really think about that until you pointed it out, but a lot of the Marvel movies are very good for just jumping into and yeah. enjoying. And I guess that's probably why they've succeeded so well as a yeah, yeah, mainstream cinema phenomenon I guess. The, the people behind these films are very intelligent and they've done it in such a way where it is very easy to consume which is fantastic for getting it out there and also for people to watch that you know maybe aren't able to or have the time to watch every single film mm. or are not interested in a specific character as well and it's like sure that character will pop up later on um, in the combined film but yeah you'll, you'll find like a lot of people that watch these films, like a percentage of them definitely haven't watched the what you would call, I guess, the origin stories of them. Um, I, th- yeah. I think maybe the only time when it's not done so well is they made Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just slightly too important for season one um, between Infinity War not Infinity War, between Avengers Assemble and Age of Ultron. Um, mm. If you want to know how the staff got from one place to another, um, that's not explained in any way apart from through the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series, but other than that, I think they've done a pretty decent job. Um, yeah. But again, those first two Avengers movies, haven't seen them in years, so don't really know how important that was. Oh, yeah. We'll get to it's, it one day. It's uh, been a hot minute. Oh, yeah. It's been a hot minute. It's been a hot decade. <laughs> it's been a very yeah, hot yeah. decade. Oh, jeez. Anyway. For sure, for sure. I tried not to let my existential dread seep into the last episode, so I'll continue doing that now. Um... <laughs> so I guess getting into the movie um, I like how it immediately opens with um, Tony Stark's I am Iron Man speech recontextualized um, yeah. through the eyes of someone who very much does not like him uh, very much has a cross to bear when it comes to him and is in a much less um, I guess privileged area privileged state of life yeah um, and I just thought it was cool how it just zooms out from the TV and it's like, oh, yeah, by the way we're not <laughs> we're not there right now, we're over here, I don't know it was cool it's it's interesting as well that, I could talk about this for like next 10 minutes because I'm going to be starting talking about camera angles, um, right ahead. but the, the, the idea is that obviously the original camera angle of that shot is trying to start looking down the camera almost look, well not obviously not down the camera because that's poor acting etiquette but like looking directly or like almost down the camera as he announces you know I am Iron Man this time it's off to the side Um, which does allude to the idea that this character that's watching this is off to the side is almost outcast from this whole thing Um, so it lends itself to someone who is um, involved but away from it all Um, at least that's the context I understand from it I'm glad you brought that up because I totally missed that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's it's, really cool. it's it's well, it's it leads into your what you said about it being from a different perspective and it yeah. physically being from a different perspective. 
um, yeah. in that the camera angle is entirely different as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. Continue if you were going to say something else about that, about this part. Uh, the the only other thing I was going to say about this particular scene is that when his dad's dying, he's saying to his son, um, Whiplash Dude. Is he called Whiplash, by the way? I keep forgetting what he's called. His his character, I believe, is called Whiplash. Um, okay. His actual name, I believe, is Ivan Vanko. Yeah. Um, well, I just like how he says to him, that should be you. And last week you were talking about how I should be looking out for the whole I'm not Tony Stark motif. Um, he's not yes. Tony Stark. That should be him. But it's not. And he's not Tony Stark. Mm. Um, he's not Tony Stark in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I think he's... Again, I don't think he's a particularly amazing villain. Um, you could argue he has... I don't know. Like, his motivation could have been explored more. Again, just like Iron Man 1. Yes, for sure. But the idea you're given is that his dad was ousted from the company because he didn't have the same visions... Uh, that Howard Stark did, in that he just wanted to make money, whereas Howard Stark was more about inventing, but he just wanted to make money no matter what the ethics were. So you have no real yeah. reason to be sympathetic for this villain. I'm not saying that all villains should be sympathetic, yeah. but um, again, because of his motivations aren't explored very much, he's not sympathetic, and he's not explored in a very interesting way, so he's just kind of there. He's just... Well, <laughs> it's... It... I, I think I think it, if you think of it that way, then yes, he is very one-dimensional, but or two-dimensional, I guess is the phrase. Um, but if you think of it more as it is, it is a story of legacy and continuing that legacy, and to an extent as well, it's about the sins of the father. In that these these characters are fighting over something that has arguably nothing to do with them. Ooh, the, that's the, very the whole true. like battle is to do with the people before them. And so it's almost this thing that spanned like a generation, um, and they feel like because it's part of legacy and it is their legacy that they must take on these sort of, I guess, sins if I want to keep using that word, and then you know continue uh, and allow them to motivate the actions that happen, um, which yeah, it is just an overall theme I think because they constantly talk about legacy as well. Um, during the film, legacy this, legacy that. This is my legacy, blah blah blah. Um, and so, the the very much the sins of the father trope is the legacy um, for both the characters until obviously when certain things get developed later on. And that changes. I like how that also leads into the fact that in this movie, I guess I'm jumping ahead a bit, but it's fine. In this movie, that's it's fine. revealed that Tony Stark is dying um, because yes. the very thing that's keeping him alive. Hang on, I got a quote here somewhere. <laughs> Uh, the thing never mind I can't find it but basically the thing that's keeping him alive is also killing him Um, and I think I think that was really cool but that also like legacy from what's been passed down to him but also what is he leaving behind in this world is very much something that drives him not always in healthy ways either um, but something that drives him throughout most of the movie because he, he becomes less and less worried about his image as the movie goes on as well and it's more a case of I, I think that's part of it as well and being like he's trying to leave a world where they because there's got, if he just up and died then it would be a case of oh we've lost a great hero blah blah blah, blah. but it, it almost seems like he becomes self, so self-destructive that he's almost trying to drive as many people away from him as he can so, so that, that they don't it, get hurt I guess it hurts dies. less yeah exactly yeah, so I that, that. It, they don't feel like they've lost this hero or something like that which is 
that were done very well with um yeah there, there's a specific reflection when he's like when he yells at everyone when in the iron man suit and it, it made me think of the iron monger suit yeah. from the first one and how it was portrayed and it was very it almost like the way it was reflected was angled up so it looked like larger than life as well and it looked very sinister which i thought was very good uh direction <laughs> You know, when so, I was yeah. watching this, I was patting myself on the back. I was like, I think about things in terms of cinematography, but you always bring up stuff where I'm like, oh, yeah! <laughs> yeah. You're the guy for camera angles. <laughs> it, it's, it's just stuff I, I just love. Like, it, it, it lends itself to the idea of everything is there for a reason. And so noticing something yeah. is like, cool, why is that there? What is that? What does that um, do you for portray? The what, does that, what does that awaken, mm. you know? in your mind like when you think of that thing you know this is perspective is that you know this is why i love doing this podcast with you because we think of different things um yeah. or oftentimes the same thing and we you know go oh yeah 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 but like there are so many things you bring up where i'm just like oh shit yeah and it, it helps me enjoy the movie even more after i finish watching it it's great yeah um well, I, that's why media is fantastic <laughs> yeah um i was I'm not fully 100% on this idea, but I feel like okay. this movie, at least in some ways, is meant to mirror the first. Like, you see it in many ways. Like, for instance, how Whiplash, when he builds his... Uh, when Ivan builds his stuff, it's a very similar building montage to Tony building his stuff uh, in yes. Iron Man 1. Yes. Um, and there's a few more things. Like, when he gets subpoenaed by um, the lady, it's very similar to that scene in the first movie where that journalist is trying to get an interview out of him as he's getting into his fast car yep. Um, yep. there's probably a few other things I've missed but um, the, the very fact that um, War Machine happens in this movie, he's like a mirror of Iron Man, he's in an Iron Man suit um, mm -hmm. but it's like a different version, like what if he went in a different direction and all of this kind of stuff mm. and also Whiplash is trying to he he tries to make an arc reactor um, which mirrors you know, Tony's arc reactor, all this kind of stuff it, it's everywhere, it's it's like mm. parallels the yes. movie there is, there is, yeah, there is a very specific shot, going back to shots again where he is, you remember um, you know when he's banging out the ha the, the helmet in the uh, when he's first building the suit in yeah. the arc one, yeah. where he's banging out the helmet exact same scene um, with Whiplash where he's banging something on a thing and he's got his muscles out exact same thing exact same scene shot exactly the same way yeah yeah and which is to which it brings the idea that these two characters are the same effectively like he it, maybe he's not Tony Stark but it could be and yeah. he is the closest that could ever be Tony Stark he's what Tony Stark could be if Tony Stark didn't have his morals he's and I think you see yes. that a bit with Justin Hammer as well. If Ivan represents what yeah. Tony could be with his inventions without morals, Justin Hammer is his charisma without morals because you see the way he sells uh, a lot later in the movie, the way he sells the drones is very similar. Mm. Again, with the mirrors, is very similar to the way Tony sells his missile at, towards the beginning. I of think Iron Man, that's. Maybe. I think that's more intentional to his character, though. I think he wants to be Tony Stark, so that's he's trying true. to act that way. Yeah. I think that's more towards his character which makes him an interesting character um god he's such a douchebag <laughs> he is a douchebag and that's the point yeah he's supposed to be someone you hate yeah because he's tony stark without the charisma <laughs> he's there's three villains in this movie and he's uh he's possibly the most hateable one i would say the three villains in yes. this movie are ivan who's whiplash um 
Justin Hammer with his drones mm. uh, and you know his imitation tech. Uh, but also, yeah. perhaps most importantly, uh, and this happens a lot during Iron Man as a series, Tony Stark himself um, is the biggest yes. uh, villain to Tony Stark um, in how he handles, how he's destructive with his relationships. Maybe more reasonably in this movie because he's trying to push people away from him because he thinks he's about to die but even so um, mm-hmm. the way he destroys his public image by telling everyone to get out in that shot of him in the Iron Man suit and yeah. now he drives his friend to stealing his suit and fighting him in it which I think ultimately leads to a mm. good friendship there at the end of it um, but one thing sorry carry on. no 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 carry on I was just going to bring back, I was just going to go back to the point you said about um, uh, Rhodey being in the Iron Man suit to begin with. It's, it, the, I think the idea there is he's pure silver, pure silver, uh, which could yeah. arguably be white, which is obviously a sign of, you know, purity and, you know, free from, you know, shitty things. And so contrasted to Tony Stark, who is very red and shiny and gold, you know, where he has all these issues boiling up in. And so it almost, in that moment, if you read it that way, it's like he is more worthy of the suit than Tony ever could be. Yeah, I guess because it's not um, vain in any way, it's not like red and gold, look at me, flashy, it's more utilitarian in a way. Um, yes, and it's the, the, the shininess of it could be like, it's almost like a mirror as well, of being like, yeah. to- this is what Tony wants to be almost. Um, sure. The sort of more noble, more noble sort of, uh, you know, fight fighting for uh, in in a way without obviously all the um, the toxic traits that he has. Yeah, I think which that's probably why he grows to respect Rhodey so much as well. I think their friendship yeah. really happens towards the second half of this film. In Iron Man One and the first half he's... of Iron Man Two, he's more of a background character. I feel like, or maybe not background, but supporting character, whereas. Um, yeah. especially towards the end of this movie he becomes so much more of an ally and so much more of an important person in Tony's life that I think he really yeah. needs to ground him mm. it's, that's, that's, yeah, that's the point Is he's a neutralizer. he is, he is you know with the, he, he is almost like the alkaline base to Tony's acidic nature you know yeah. um, and so he realises that and tries his best to keep him around uh, to begin with because um, he does realise that it is a positive impact he has on him, and he realises that obviously he does a lot for him as well, and he mm. is obviously he he is, ends up being very thankful for that. By the way, one of the few recastings in the MCU, I love how they dealt with it because they make a big deal about it's Rhodey entering the room. So first of all, you realise yeah. who it is, and then his first words yeah. to Tony make sense for the scene, but they also make sense to the viewer. He says look it's me mm-hmm. i'm here deal with it let's move on drop it he's saying look yeah I'm it's, the... it's done very well <laughs> yeah i i cracked a big smile at that scene because that's just so yeah, like yeah. directly talking to the audience in a way that still makes sense in the film mm. it was so well done <laughs> and i think i think they're both i think they're both very good actors as well i think either one could have pulled it off very yeah, well yeah um, definitely where where it seems like i, th- I think it, they're very different actors in that um i don't know the names i can't remember the top of my head but the first guy is very much like he's very it, there is a bit of like a silliness to him I guess and he almost like he a part of him had been sort of I guess corrupted by Tony a little bit and so like there was that nature of being like very sort of silly back and forth whereas uh, like the newer Rhodey um, his sort of uh, the way he does Rhodey is very much like 
he's very, very serious a lot of the time, and it's very much like, I deal with problems kind of person, but then has that laid-back nature when he knows, okay, this is the time to relax, blah, blah, blah. Like, he, he has a very strong sense of... Um, he shows, or at least shows, he has a very strong sense of, like, when it's time to, you know, when it's time to party and when it's time to be serious. So I do like... But without And then also being able to banter with Tony in those uh, situations. I just love that when they don't cover it up. So it's very clear that Rhodey from the first movie is a little bit different to Rhodey in the second movie. It's not like they're trying to yeah. cover it up and be like, oh, no, he's the same. It's like, if he looks different because he is a different person, he's also going to act a little bit different. And that's okay, yes. and that can be part of a movie, and that's how you really move it forwards. Because mm. he's a lot more tied up in Tony Stark's stuff in this film than he is in the first one, a lot more. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, I love the part in the courtroom where he's where he hacks uh, the screen to show... He's like, oh, we're going for transparency? Yeah. Here's transparency. Look, I've got more information about this shit than you do. Here's all of our mechs. Um, here's yeah, yeah, what yeah. they're doing and here's all of their feelings oh look it's Justin Hammer uh, all of this kind of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. and Justin Hammer who's trying to um, be you know imitation Tony Stark um, he can't even turn off the TV in time which really shows his yeah, ineptitude yeah. Um, and he immediately loses his call as well which is yeah. another part in that which is very much like he's very clearly in no way uh, like Tony Yeah, because Tony <laughs> is very cool under pressure and constantly you know he has like a quick comeback every time whereas every time he said something to Justin Hammer he was just like yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> I think he had one comeback good, one good. time and it wasn't even that good yeah <laughs> I was yeah, yeah. I didn't write it down sadly but um, yeah that courtroom scene I think just showed you everything you needed to know very quickly yeah it was very well, and it's it's it it brings the it brings about the idea of being like, well, where does where does Iron Man exist in this world? Like, how does it exist in this world? And it's a very good place to set it up and be like, oh, there is a bit of you know animosity towards it. Mm, and I think it's good, which is which is very interesting. I think it's good that they started with Iron Man in that way, at least as far as publicly revealed you know figures, because if they if they did four first then Iron Man exists in a world where four is known to be a thing and therefore it's harder to argue mm. against Iron Man because it's like, we might need him four turns evil exactly, set up, it, it set up what is feasible before mm. what is high fantasy <laughs> you know yeah. and that's like how because Thor is about a high fantasy in the MCU as it gets <laughs> yeah, and that's like well that and Doctor Strange well I was going to say, four is like a forerunner haha <laughs> To like more mystical elements that they introduce, I think in Phase Three or at least late Phase Two is Doctor Strange. I think it is Phase Three, yeah. and that really gets into some real mystical stuff. And I like how with the MCU the yeah. way they rolled out was like realism with you know a, a, a tinge of maybe not mysticism mm. but just like the idea of um, I don't know. I think Four in there is you could argue that maybe it should have gone realism to more like a world of superheroes to then include four with Doctor Strange but I think realistically people would have needed mm. four in Avengers but I think it's a clever rollout the way they did it so that they could explore yeah. these stories it, it's one at a time. it's still done really well within like the stories of like the separate films and stuff as well like you think as far up as Far From Home and how everything was set up in that movie to be set up with the technology in the universe so it was feasible that it was done this way they changed yeah. how the villain worked but like they kept how he worked fundamentally but changed like the inner workings of everything 
Um, so it was more in universe, and it it blends so much better together with the story that's already been set up for the predecessor uh, predecessor movies. I think um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the way they built it out, gave them a really unique opportunity to be like, what are the stories we want to tell that are more self-contained, and then what are the stories that we want to tell in more of a unique world than we've done before, uh, where it's mm. already been built out in different ways than happened in the comics. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I think that was really cool because Spider Man was pretty early as far as the Marvel comic universe was. I think the X Men already existed, yeah, um, and I think Iron Man existed. I'm trying to think of X Men oh, Fantastic very, very Four. Early, I think yeah. Spider Man appeared in Fantastic yeah. Four. That's how he started. Uh, comic yeah. trivia, at least as long as I'm not wrong, and that would comic be really trivia. embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I so I'm gonna bring back it back to the the uh, the bubble the courtroom. Yes. Yeah, because there is a point I want to make, which I mentioned to you already, but I wanted to mention the 37th president of the United States, Richard Nixon, because Tony Stark does a very specific pose, which is what Richard Nixon does. He's very famous, very famous pictures of him doing the double peace sign uh, pose uh, in front of people, um, which I thought was very interesting. Um, and so I, uh, I, brought, I, I did a little bit of research. Um, and something that uh, Tony Stark says is very much like peace in our time, you know, stuff like that. And it's very similar to some stuff Richard Nixon said uh, while he was president um, about peace with honor, um, which I thought was very interesting. And that the, the parallels being drawn there was very interesting, I think, um, with the post. Because he does it at the end, the very end as well, doesn't he? Um, mm. The whole idea being, um, you know, peace in our time. Uh, and him almost being the person that is going to get that piece, yeah. uh, which is very similar to how I guess uh, Richard Nixon uh, treated as well. Huh. I thought it was just an interesting point to bring up. Uh, yeah, he warranted has research. <laughs> he does seem to have a very Republican view of peace. Um, mm. He's less about profiting off of it than he was in you know in the first movie you know the guy who holds all the sticks yeah. is the guy who can make peace happen no that's good for the guy selling the sticks mm. um he's less that direction but he still does hold on to this notion of i've privatized world peace me because i made this suit which he doesn't see as a weapon we know at this point but he knows mm. he's like an he's enforcer. As a shield. yeah he knows mm. he's an enforcer um and he believes america should be at the front of that i think it's very i don't know i'm not a, an expert in american politics and manipulating yeah, yeah. it but it does seem quite republican to me i think he even said something about to pepper at one point about i i don't want to hear about the liberal agenda right now or something like that which was an offhand mm. uh, remark um and i think yeah i mean uh richard nixon was republican as well yeah so it the, the, the it does tie in yeah so i thought that would be interesting to bring up in in point about but before this podcast i was talking about you know in general outline and what we should do for structure and if we should change anything up from last week uh and respect the fact that i will i will be bringing up the 37th president of the united states at one point i was like what okay it was great so yeah that, that was made at the point because it's a it's a very famous picture and so i saw him do it and i'm like oh shit <laughs> that's richard nixon i think isn't nixon also known for having been an alcoholic he was impeached. He was impeached mm. as well. He was impeached for obstruction of justice and uh, abuse of power. Also, I was thinking during uh, this movie, I don't remember what triggered it, but there was, I was thinking about how Tony does go on a bit of a journey from being, I guess, the courtroom trigger, 
from being no I've privatized world peace it's it falls on me I'm going to protect you to civil war where he's the one who's going no guys they're right we need to be accountable um, we should probably mm. and I guess that'll be a whole thing uh, later down the line as to who we well, it, with, but it comes down to his whole strong sense of responsibility which mm. is used heavily in the first film and it is to a degree used in this film as well because he, he, even though he he does obviously that up until obviously the later part of the film where his sort of view of his father has changed somewhat um, he believes that he has to take responsibility because it's, it's you know it's it's part of his family which is the reason why Ivan is always like trying to attack you know mm. the family and so he sees himself as being you know I am the only Stark so I need to defend what is Stark yeah I thought he hated his dad more I don't know if that comes later on I thought he like had a real um I think it, I think it's he, he he does have his issues with his father, but um, mm. it, obviously it, this is the sort of the starting point of you know breaking it up and the fact that he literally turns on and goes thanks dad at one point when he's when he works out obviously the new yeah. element and how to make it. I, I fucking love that scene as well because Jarvis very openly goes, "It's impossible to make this," and then Tony's like, "All right," and he just carries on like that's <laughs> his character to a nutshell. Yeah. You can tell him something's impossible, but he'll still find a way. That's, yeah. that's entirely his character which I thought was fantastic yeah. like it was almost like a switch like he was suddenly back to being him well I guess he knows how things fantastic he knows how things work he knows how things break he knows the limit of what his AI is able to think of and he made his AI mm. so if the AI tells him it's impossible exactly. he made it it just means that yeah like his previous way of Not thinking impossible improbable yeah um I wrote down here um so we go back into Tony's lab and guess who we see Little arm robot, the little the little fire extinguisher robot. He's still working away. He still exists. He's still trying his best. <laughs> I, I, yeah, he's still doing. That's something you missed from not having seen the first movie before the second. I didn't really give a shit about mm-hmm. that particular little bit, but now I'm like, yay, he's back. <laughs> he's doing his thing. <laughs> doing his thing. <laughs> and Tony kept him around. His ability. Yeah, he's trying his best. Um, uh, I feel like. He threw Pepper into the CEO role is a bit of a mirror again uh, to the way he threw her into heart mm-hmm. surgery, um, where mm-hmm. she's just coming down to talk to him about important shit, and he's like, he hijacks the conversation, and he immediately turns it into, no, no, I need you to do this, um, which I thought was cool. Sorry, I just thought I heard a noise. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, yeah. I mean, it's not entirely the same because he calls an elm, I guess, in the first one, but um, it was just very yeah. reminiscent of that scene, and I'm putting it on my little well, the, list of it notes. isn't, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's not parallel because okay. of how the two characters interact. In the first one, it's very respectful. Oh, this is my boss. I'm going to talk to him very respectfully. In the second one, it's almost like a couple arguing because of the way she's like, no, 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 you're doing dumb shit. You need to stop doing this. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's, you know what, just take the company. And she's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, yeah, actually. Like with the hanging up of the picture as well. And she's like, no, you're not taking that down. And he's like, like, it's more of a lover's quarrel rather than a boss and his assistant, which I thought- I guess fair enough. Is massive development from, it's, it's still the same conversation. Hmm. Very much so. It's still the same conversation, which I think is important because it's it's set the same way. The conversations. The That's same. what I mean, though. I think it's um, still kind of a parallel, no. but in a way that shows it is a parallel the growth of but that relationship. Yes, yes for sure. 
for sure. As long as I'm not grasping at straws here and being like, no, 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 it's definitely a parallel. I like my parallels. No. <laughs> it, it, it's shot in a very similar way as well, where it's on Tony and yeah. it pans over to her being walking in. You know, it's, it's very much set up that way. There's With a lot of playing music, and then he pauses the music, and you know. Yeah, there's a lot of people talking over each other in this movie, isn't there? Like, that must be quite hard to act. <laughs> can you? Oh yeah. For can sure. you imagine? Um, God. Well, it's all based on direction. I mean, John Favreau did mm. the first one and this one as well, and yeah, I think he did a fantastic that. job with his direction, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, just, I think it was done very well. Um, yes. <laughs> so we're maybe like a third of the way down my list of notes, and I've put already bored of Mr. Whippy. <laughs> I already bored of Mr. Whippy. Yeah, I was. I wasn't entirely. <laughs> you see the part where he did the the thing on the racetrack where you're spinning him around, <laughs> skipping forward. Ah, oh, great scene that. I think when <laughs> I think when people talk about this movie, that's one of their biggest hang-ups. Is he's just a bit. Yeah. He's just a bit much, isn't he? Um, at least when which he's which is why I think I think that was by design because they wouldn't have put so much time with. Uh, Justin Hammer else if if mm. they if they were planning on fleshing him out as a proper deep character they wouldn't have done the whole thing with Justin Hammer sure or he would have been less of a character that was there mm. you know he, he, he wouldn't have been as prominent as he was um, and so the idea is that it's almost two contrasting forces this is very aggressively charismatic trying to be charismatic person you know you know the way he interacts with uh, with his assistant and stuff. Um, yeah, put your head in there. Go on. Yeah, you can't put your head in there. Can't. Um, oh god, and he's then, such a douchebag. Uh, <laughs> such a douchebag. Yeah, that's the point. And then it's 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 and then it's Vanko, and you're almost at this point where you're like, I want him to kill him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Which then you start you start and then passively you start rooting for the villain. I which guess is so. The entire yeah. point of this villain. It's the entire point of this villain. He's not supposed to be interesting. He's supposed to be a character where it's like, okay, maybe he is some. It's like it's like the theory where everyone's like Thanos was right. It's like that kind of deal where it's like you, you root for the villain a little bit because this guy's an asshole and he's a he's a bigger asshole than this asshole, you know. And I so guess. you want something to happen there. Um, I wouldn't say I was really rooting maybe for him. maybe not as maybe not as strongly as. Um, it's been done in other way in other medium and other movies um but there is that sense of like this guy's an idiot and he's gonna die to this guy and you kind of obviously want that you know uh, yeah to a degree um but yeah with it, with this character it, it, he definitely i i think that the point wasn't to fully flesh him out i think it was it was almost to affect tony the entire point of him was to affect yeah. him and how he related to tony that was You're the loose. entire premise of it Everything else was just, you know, gravy. Mm. Um, his wits you know, weren't. His ha- it's a superhero movie, so there has to be fighting and so on and so forth, mm. which I have a point about as well. But I was just gonna say, his whips aren't his real weapon. His wits are like exactly the way he he outsmarts. He knows how the public will react to Tony failing. It doesn't matter that he doesn't kill Tony. What matters is that he endangered Tony. Uh, live on TV. If you make God bleed, they will stop believing. Exactly. It's uh, the quote. Um, although, <laughs> when he was chopping up the car, I thought, is the scene where he's chopping up the car supposed to be this hilarious? Because they're screaming and screaming away, and I was just cackling because yeah. it looks so dumb. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... The action scenes in this film, there's not very many. No, I was going to say, not it's not very action heavy, is it? 
but the action scene at the end is amazing. I will say that much. Uh, it's very good. It's very fast, though. It's very yeah. fast. Mm. It, there's like a lot of fighting. He turns up. There's a bit more fighting, and then it's done. Like, yeah. Which I think is the point. Um, yeah, I think, I think I think it's very much the point, and the, the focus isn't the fighting. The focus is the interactions, and um, it's a superhero movie, so it has to have fighting in it. I think I remember um, that being know. a major criticism of his film back when it was, you know, relevant. Or I guess not relevant, but you know, current is people are saying it's way too much Tony Stark and not enough Iron Man. I remember hearing that. I not necessarily saying that's particularly right or true because I think it was still interesting. But I get where they're coming from in a sense. Um, but I do think they kind of made up for the previous movie's this? final battle with this movie's yeah. final battle. I think. Yeah, I think the final good. battle in that one is fine because it's the idea in, in the first one sorry it, the idea is that he's running on you know he's running on fumes almost like he it, it, this is a Tony Stark that, that is like he's, he's beaten down at his worst almost mm. um, and so again like the, the fight scenes in Iron Man there's all this technology being thrown around and stuff but the entire point is the people in the technology and th that makes you know more sense it's because mm. the 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 reason that there's fight, there's a lot of fighting in it is because it's a superhero movie. That's literally why it's fighting. It's because it's you know it is what it is. It's on the tin, um, and so the the whole idea of it is more to do with the people, I think, and the minds and like the you know the mind games and the trickery and the effect that certain actions have, and because at one point Tony Cena is. is is uh, shown to be an idiot, an asshole, a dumbass. You know the, the way he is at the party, mm. um, uh, which you know it's like this is an Iron Man, just my Iron Man. I know, um, you know. So, yeah. I guess. Can we talk about? But yeah, one of the most important developments in this movie, real quick, not to segue away okay. abruptly. The news is finally <laughs> widescreen. <laughs> I think this really signifies the fact that um, the world has looked at Tony Stark and gone, oh, we need to develop our technologies to keep up with him. It's really indicative of the rest of the movie as a whole. Okay, I'm going to shut up now. I'm going to stop with that fast. But <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you for laughing because I'm sure nobody else did. Good joke. <laughs> um, am I right in thinking that the prison break was a bit shit? It kind of yes, <laughs> it was very shit and pointless. Which it was organised by Justin Hammer, so it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be a bit too forgiving, <laughs> but sure. I, I, I think it. I think it's literally the down to uh, the the whole like it was it, everything that's executed by Justin Hammer. Which Tony Stark pokes fun at him all that stuff like that, but obviously with the with the bunker buster missile, just immediately just doing nothing. Um, is a testament. Yeah, to that. that was great. That everything he does is really crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so even like something as you know as high stakes as a prison break is even boring. Like, I would I wouldn't be so forgiving. I would say that's more a fault of the movie as a whole in that they needed to get character from scene A to scene B and they didn't want to spend oh yeah, a lot sure. of time suddenly going. Let's concentrate on making a prison break happen. I think it's a flaw in the movie and not so much a metaphor for Justin Hammer. I think because of the lack of 
because of the lack of action in the movie, there needed to be more action, and so they added what would be an action scene where yeah. it could have very easily been like a cut and a cut and run kind of deal, and then suddenly he's with uh, he's coming out of the van, yeah. you know, uh, with uh, Justin Hammer. I think that would have cut out a lot of faff. Yeah. Um, that was the prison scene, um, but obviously with inquiring mind like myself who thinks there's a reason for everything just got um, to know I think it is I think it is a case it, it, it could be perceived as a case of Justin Hammer just so is so inept when, when it comes to <laughs> trying to do these things that uh, yeah I didn't yeah. see the point of the fucking bomb like wh- wh- why the bomb <laughs> it, it's so dumb it, it doesn't was... make sense like yes it triggers it... it triggers the fire alarm they could have just triggered the fire alarm. No, they briefly mentioned later on that everyone thought he was dead. I think the bomb was to make people think he died in the explosion. But would they really be that dumb to just assume that? Oh, that's, that's I think lucky. nobody escaped. He just died, and there's well, I think no this body previous parts. parts. Like with, I think there's previous parts where Tony's being like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna you know get death for this because of what you've done." I think it's a case of more like death sentence rather than sure, you know. That security on that uh, in the whole prison was a bit shit though, because he literally <laughs> he walks down a corridor, down some stairs, and he's outside. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not great, is it? Like, maybe there's a cut somewhere there that's like, oh, actually, uh, he he travels all the way through, and then <laughs> it's like uh, half an hour, uh, you know. It's like it's like a half hour uncut like thing, where it's just following Mickey Rourke because he just wanders through with his Russian accent. <laughs> Um, so after after the prison break that's when we really cut to the part where tony stark's uh, getting drunk by the way why did because we haven't really talked about um black widow natasha natalie romanov natasha romanov i forget which one her real name is um natasha uh, natasha romanov i'm not a real comics fan i'm a sham um but i why did she have a reason for telling him to basically go yolo mode because she was the one who told him that she was like, hey, if it was my yeah. last night on Earth, I'd do whatever I wanted, man. And then she walks off and you're like, oh, this is Black Widow. She must be, you know, calculating something there. But no, she just... Yeah, <laughs> it, it is a bit of interesting to think about that. It just feels like she's inciting chaos for the sake of chaos, you know? Yeah, like it didn't further um, any plan. Um, like, I guess maybe if you really wanted to grasp at straws, you could argue that it was something that ended up with Tony, you know, coming to terms with the fact that he was dying. Uh, no, I don't think I could really even be bothered to try yeah. and make that argument, to be honest. Um, I think it was maybe uh, just sure. a weak point in the movie. Maybe. Um, Again, get from yeah, I think, I think it's I think it's just a case of just inciting because it's not something that Tony would advocately do because he's obviously he is, he is a very smart individual. And mm-hmm. so it's not something he would just be like, all right, fuck it, let's go crazy. I mean, well, his version of going crazy is, you know, driving a Formula 1 car, yeah. which I think is leads into his whole thing of he's dying so he's trying to do all he can oh you just reminded well, me about that he's... sorry yeah. i'm glad you reminded he's, me of he's the giving race. away obviously all his stuff as well as a new stuff yeah you reminded me uh the dark knight returns have you ever seen uh, or read that um it's a comic but it's also an animated batman movie it's um i don't think i have it's oh, it's about batman being an old man um who can't be batman anymore uh, Bruce Wayne so right. I think if I remember right it's been a while but I think that story opens with him taking part in I don't know if it's Formula 1 or some other kind of really high speed race and he's basically he knows he's going to die soon because he's really old and he's just trying to feel something again um, and this reminded me of that uh, they're both billionaires uh, they've both got nothing to lose Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe Tony's not trying to feel something again but um, 
well, you could argue maybe he is more like experiences with with him. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of a cool thing to note. Um, a similarity to another piece he, of fiction because he says when he's on his way, like oh I own yes because well, he, he walks out and he's like I own this but I n- I've never driven it and it's like yeah. right so he's going to drive it before is cool and then obviously when he donates everything he's getting rid of everything and yeah. obviously he makes uh, Pepper CEO as part of that as well like it's all a case of this is my last will almost I would um, also say him making Pepper CEO is he loves her and he he does believe in her ability to lead the company that's not 100 percent just i'm mm-hmm. dying for it away that's he thinks she deserves this well it's this. well it's a case of you are my benefactor almost yeah like when i'm gone it's yours kind of deal yeah because that's his family yeah you know and he does he does um drunkenly tell her he loves her very embarrassingly at the party which is a very clever segue back to the party because i accidentally brought us away from the party um, I was also going to say we need to talk about Ooh. give me a fat beat to beat my buddy's ass to <laughs> and he just cracks up at the end of that line <laughs> I think that was I think that was uh, Robert Downey Jr. laughing there I don't think that was Tony Stark <laughs> yeah there was a bit of him coming out there yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, it fit though like he was drunk yeah 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 of course I think that's why they used that take but I, so I don't believe the so laugh was in the script yeah <laughs> God, that's, that's, got me. that's pretty fun to say though also, a fat beat to beat my buddy's ass too. Also, I think there was more. Which ends up being Daft Punk. <laughs> yeah, I think there was more humor in this film than in Iron Man One. I think this is really the beginnings of the kind of um, incorporation of so much humor into the MCU, which we see in every MCU movie now. Yeah. Um, yeah. For there sure. were so many funny moments. The first one just... was so much more. S- yeah, the first one was so much more serious because yeah. of what it was. It was the old, the whole thing was Tony taking responsibility for horrible things. Yeah. So he was very serious. That being said, yeah. I did also write down that this movie feels totally all over the place, so maybe it wasn't particularly done as good as it could That's, have been. I, I think it, uh, I mean, to a degree it is a little bit. Um, uh, so I think it's just because there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um, and so th- this was the point where they were trying to broaden like what it was. It wasn't just about Iron Man anymore, it was about S.H.I.E.L.D. and about the characters within S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, they were and, really building something here. You know, and they, they did some more stuff with Happy. They fleshed out Happy a little bit more. Um, they did more stuff with Pepper as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And, and then obviously with Justin Hammer. And there was just a lot more moving parts. And I, th- I think it worked well for, for how much was going on. Um, but there are points where it's a little like, you know, mm. a little messy. A little, yeah, taking on a lot there. But I think you can immediately see that because of Iron Man 1's success, a lot of things were included in Iron Man 2. Like, it's Captain yeah. America's shield, and then the post credit scene, you yeah. know, with Thor's hammer. It's like Iron Man One; they were already suggesting that, but because of how it feels like, that gave them the go ahead to be like, "All right, we're starting some stuff now. Let's start putting some stuff in the next movie to show yeah. that we're really." It was almost it. like a if you want to see more, and yeah. then people were like, the first film was received so well, so they were like, "Okay, cool, let's let's ramp it up then, and then for for now." Yeah, which is cool because it was such a it's like such subtle link-ins to everything though it's not like in your face. Mm. I mean, maybe maybe the joke about Cap Shield is a little bit in your face. <laughs> I um, think that's in your face for the purpose of being in your face though. It's the purpose of Tony Tony being a dick, you know, which it, and it alludes to their future relationship as well, which I think is very interesting. That yeah. whole way he treats the Shield, um, and obviously with Thor's hammer and stuff. Um, but something that isn't messy I'll bring up is uh, some of the music that's done in this film. And it, it lends itself to the idea of how similar um, Whiplash and Iron Man are. 
in that, although obviously their characters, Vanko and uh, Stark, um, there's a point where it's a constant shot back and forth between the two characters. And it's it intermingles both of their themes fantastically well. Um, it's almost like, so obviously you've got like the dun 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 dun, like, you know, the, the Iron Man theme. And then it transitions directly into uh, Vanko's theme, which is which is similar, but very much more sinister. Um, it's very much more bassy, and mm. it is a lot more sinister. And then flips back again to the you know the more triumphant Iron Man theme, and then back again. And I think it's very interesting because it it shows how well um, it shows how the similarity of the characters, and also uh, it just blends them together very well. How well the music blends together, and how. Yeah, it, it, it lends itself to the idea that the characters are a lot more similar. Yeah. Um, than obviously just this one's bad, this one's good. I'm annoyed at myself yeah. for not catching that because I pride myself on how much I love soundtracks and their symbolism in movies. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not movies, but just it, it wasn't. Cri- it's. I, I think it's. I, I would put that down more to the music is very soul. That the theme is yeah. very soul. That there, it's literally just. It's literally just like two instruments in each one. Like it's it's almost like throwaway music, yeah. but the way it's done is very fantastic. Did you catch who scored this one? Was it Raman Jawadi again? I didn't see that no. It sounded like um, him. At, at least as far as sounding right. similar to the first Iron movie. Man. Uh, oh, Iron Man. I never did end up looking it up. I should have it was that. not. It oh, okay. was someone else. It was John uh John Debney. Okay, I've never heard of him. Well <laughs> this is when he turns out to be a massive composer, <laughs> um, but um, at least in the circles of things I've seen and played, I've never heard of him. But um, he did a very good job of making it cohesive with the first movie. So yeah, very very yeah, well yeah. done. I think I think he definitely he definitely expanded on it a little bit and yeah. then included the idea of obviously the back and forth. It was fantastically done. So props to that guy for that. Um, yeah, very good, very very good. I was so. Was there anything else you want to say about this part of the movie before I move along? Because I don't want to keep. Um, that that part would have been the back and forth between. It would have been the part where he was being chased by all the drones. Yeah. Because it was the back and forth okay. between Iron Man flying around and then back to what. Oh, he was doing. gotcha. So during the final fight, yeah. I might go back and look at that and see if I can pick that out. Um, I think it was there. I'm trying to remember specifically, but yeah. God, that was such a good final fight. No. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that. I was like, that redeemed the final fight any issues good. in the movie I had. Mm. Uh, just him and... I guess we'll talk about it now. Him and Rhodey fighting back-to-back at the end there was um, super... Like, it, sh- it was such a good show of bonding and friendship um, mm. and also the power they have when they fight together. Um, like they're in sync because they were just rinsing those drones yeah and I'm not the kind of guy who loves the aesthetic of mechs and robots and bullets and all that kind of stuff that's not that's not typically me but it wasn't this movie because that was fucking cool (laughs) oh yeah um uh, I'm gonna bring it back to music again so um in that final fight um, when the drones are dropping down it, there is a part of it where it's like in tune with the beats which I think is pretty cool mm. but it's almost like an even slower version of Whiplash's theme it seems like it's very much like dun, dun, dun. and then music stops for the entire fight mm. so that when when he does his cool laser beam trick um, there's just silence and I think that's fantastic yeah. it's almost like the calm before the storm as well because yes you've just fought all these robots but the big boy's coming you know <laughs> it's very much like a it's like a cool we did it but also it's like alludes to the calm before the storm as well yeah yeah 
Yeah, it's good when they um, allow the movie time to be like, okay, no, this is the movie speaks for itself here. You don't need a soundtrack part for this part. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a very important part of scoring a movie. Not that I'm in any way. I have like no musical talent in my body, so I'm really not equipped to talk about music. But just from an observation standpoint, I think uh, it seems obvious to me, at least, that it's just as important to know when to be quiet as it is to be loud. Because they're both mm. important. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's the extent of my musical knowledge right there. This is not a, <laughs> a podcast where I talk about musical things, I guess. Um, I I when he says duck and he does the laser thing. Imagine if Rudy hadn't fucking ducked. <laughs> He'd be cut in half. Well, he, there's there's a trust there, though, isn't there? I know, like, that's, and that's, that's the point. Is like he immediately does. It's like boom, he's down. You know. Yeah. Uh, I think that's uh, one of one of the main points that shows the bond that they have, or the bond that they're forging in yeah. that fight. Um, and I think even though like he was joking earlier about how Iron Man doesn't have a psychic, isn't it in that fight where he's like, oh, you know, I forget what he says, but it's something along the lines of, hey partner, like, come on partner, or something like that. Um, it might be mm. fairly fundamental stuff, but it's important stuff nonetheless, and I appreciated yeah. it when I saw it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, also, uh, before I completely move away from the final fight there, before we get to that point where he's fighting side by side with Rhodey, that chase where Rhodey has no control of his suit and he's leading the drones and Rhodey on a chase around the sea, that was really well shot mm-hmm. uh, or animated. However they did it, that was really yeah, well done. Yeah, I think it was very done. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that does segue into something I was going to say, but just I'll let you finish your point. <laughs> I was just going to say one last thing is Rhodey, I think it shows a real strength of character that he didn't come across terrified. I think most people in that situation would have been terrified. They have no control over what they're doing. Um, mm. And it's still their body parts that are moving, so it still feels like they're the one that's doing it. That's pretty horrifying, but he remains calm and it, calculated it, and communicative. It lends itself It lends itself to what he, what he does as well, because he's a pilot. Yeah. And that's, that's the point. You know, he's, he's a pilot, and he has been for a while. I mean, he's a colonel, so I imagine he's, he's been doing it for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean uh, even in the first film, if you take that for context, like he's teaching people how to fly. So obviously he is a seasoned, you know, person who can fly and he has somewhat weight when it comes to uh, that part of the uh, military as well. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like he's like, oh, I've, I've, got, I've got a lock on you, Tony, watch out. It's not like, oh, God, you know, <laughs> it very much shows his experience. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I was going to bring up... Uh, the practical and CGI elements of the film, okay. because there are a lot more practical stuff in this film than there were CG, which I very much appreciate. Um, some of the Iron Man suits were real, like so, like the helmets and stuff. Some of it really? was cool. uh, very very real. Like, I you didn't could even tell notice how stuff. it was very real. This, especially the scene, because um, you could tell there was like wires and shit. Um, I don't know if that was just a part of it was supposed to be a, as like it's part of the suit, or if it was something that was maybe supposed to be seen but um when uh they had the the face up and they were talking with the helmet on and there was very clearly like it was bolts and like mm. the stuff was moving like you could you could physically see that it was practical which was really cool i wonder if that's um, in response to the first film i remember hearing criticism of the first film of how they cgi'd the faces into the helmet and it looked really weird yeah 
it did look weird and they definitely did that at points with this yeah. one but less so because there was the, I think if anything was CG it maybe like the rest of it was CG it probably was because it's less like contrast there going on um, but the the actual helmet was very practical you could tell definitely I could tell you one um, which I thought was awesome yeah I could tell you one thing that was definitely CG uh, and that was the Formula 1 race those cars obviously I guess it would be huge budget to get the real cars and stuff but especially the point where Whiplash is mm. doing his thing obviously that's not practical effects um, but it, some of it was practical oh really I was, some of it the way the way so the flipping of the cars and stuff was definitely practical because that's not something you CG it looked far too real to be CG well I was going to um, say there was a point when a guy is getting flipped in a car maybe it's just a guy who's CG but he looks weird he is definitely not real um, like when he yeah. it's it, it, that probably was the case yeah yeah, the cars themselves were very obviously like they probably weren't actual Formula One cars because those things are fucking expensive. Yeah, but like th- there was certain parts like and the, when he'd make a cut on some of them, it was very clearly CG as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it looked a bit funky. Oh, the car but as well when he was cutting the car up, that looked a bit weird. Yeah, that's what. Yes, what I mean. Like when he when he was cutting it. Um, but uh, apart from that, like the general explosions are all very practical, but done very well. Like, it made sense mm. this time rather than the weird explosions in Iron Man 1. Um, <laughs> and, uh, like, the, yeah, the cars flipping and stuff, all very practical, very, very cool, I think. I'm going to have to try and develop an eye for this kind of thing, because I definitely don't have it right now. Mm. It, it, it is just like just watching a film, so mm. you'll see it, honestly. And it, as long as you know what you're looking for. Mm. Um, but I find, that I just found myself lighting. just, like, whenever I, whenever the Iron Man suit was on screen, I was just looking basically for everything mm. and I do feel like like even though I just said obviously the, the rest of the suit was probably CGI there were points where it, it did look real yeah. like it yeah, didn't look it like good. it was a disembodied head in a in a suit you know yeah um, when Tony was just walking around with just a suit and no helmet um, it looked real and it was very well done mm. I think I think it looked fantastic so props yeah very well done um, can you imagine trying to make something like that? The amount of work that must go into it. I, there's a oh yeah, for sure. There's a YouTube channel actually, and I forget their name. I should probably look it up. But do you know who I'm on about? But it's these people who I don't know if they work on movies themselves. I think they do, and they kind of watch movies and they go over practical and CGI effects and stuff that's done really badly and stuff that's done right. well. Um, oh, when I got about it's like Wired or something. Get people from is it wired? Specific stuff and I like. I think it's uh, it's wired or something. But I know what you're on about because um, I w- the last one I watched was about um, was about uh, Henry Cavill talking about the Witcher stuff. Mm. Corridor crew. Um, I think Corridor Digital. Been... It might be. I'm on about Corridor Digital. Hang on. Right. I should. No, def- but I know. I know what kind of thing you're on about because I've seen. I've seen uh, stuff like that before because Henry Cavill did one where he was talking about the like the uh, direction for fighting and stuff like that yeah um, which is interesting well either way there's definitely uh, YouTube's so, out there yeah. like that sorry Karen. maybe I should watch some more of that I was just saying maybe I should watch more of that yeah, to I get mean, myself it, educated it would definitely it would definitely help you like have an eye for that thing definitely because mm. like they would describe like certain things how things are done blah 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 which uh, bringing it back to that what, something that I find stupidly interesting um, Henry Cavill uh, as Geralt um is using like a very he's, most of the sword CG. Oh really? Um, when he when he when he's like slicing people up and stuff, it's like a fractured sword that's about like three or four inches from the hilt, and then everything else is CG. 
the entire rest of the blade is CG. I was going to say, I guess Obviously that explains... The stuff themselves are actually swords, but that's how they do like the fight scenes and stuff, to actually like impale people. Yeah, I guess. Uh, and he swings it around so easily, but then he's Henry Cavill, he could probably swing around a real sword that easily too, because yeah. he is a man of steel. <laughs> he is a man of steel. He is very much a we man of steel. We might get to that one one day. Man of steel. Unless he's, fight, unless he's fighting monsters, in which case it's silver. But anyway... He's a man of silver, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you cut out there on the stream. He is a man of silver. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah. Back to Iron Man, though. Um, Back to Iron Man, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's made of iron. Um, yeah. Any, any more points you have? Um, you I guess just two things. Firstly, I didn't remember Tony fixing his heart was such a major part of the movie. I thought it was done fairly quickly. I don't know if he comes up with an even better solution in Iron Man 3 or if this is the extent of it. Um, I, I really think remember. that's more or less it. I think he just improves upon it after that and then makes the... Uh, he pretty much removes it in 3, I think. Yeah. Um, I think, if I remember correctly. I, I think 3 is my least knowledgeable in terms of the MCU movies. Yeah. Apart from Winter Soldier, which I've probably not watched because I think it'll be interesting once we reach that one. Oh. It'll be a film that I haven't watched. So, uh, first time impressions. Oh, and that'll be one that I have seen yeah. and you have not. Not that it will exactly. really matter so much because I don't remember much about it anyway. I think I might have seen that one twice, though. I think I have seen that one. Twice. I've heard some things about it, which I'm interested. But yeah. Um, and the the final point I was gonna make is the just the relationship between Tony and Pepper is just so entertaining every time it happens. I loved the phone conversation yeah. at the end, where she she's listening in and she finds out that Tony was dying, and he's like, "Oh no no, I was gonna tell you, I was gonna tell you, I was gonna make you an omelet and then tell you." <laughs> like she's yelling at him for not telling her. It's <laughs> so entertaining yeah, yeah. to watch. I love it. Um. Yeah, as sure. much as uh, you may be able to find issue with Gwyneth Paltrow, um, the characters are very interesting. Yeah, she, yeah. she, she's that's that's another. That's, that's a whole different day. discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah. If, you, if you don't know what we're talking about, look for um, anything related to goop. And, uh, <laughs> you, you'll know. You'll know. Um. <laughs> and if you if you like actors knowing which movies they've been in. Gwyneth isn't for you. She doesn't know whether she's been in any of those superhero movies. <laughs> I forget what the quote was, but it was something like that. She was like, oh, Avengers, have I been in that one? And people were like, come on, are you kidding me? Good lord. <laughs> Good lord. But um, I guess while we're talking about actors, uh, we should also bring up the fact that a lot of people think Robert Downey Jr. is perfect for Tony Stark because of his past with... Um, I think he has parental issues and he had a history of drug misuse and all this kind of stuff, so... Um, it's you can say what you want about actors and how much they have to act and how much of it is real um, but I think whatever you know whatever Robert Downey Jr. is doing on screen it's really well done and I think if it's entirely acted or if it comes from a real place and he's showing that emotion on screen um, either way it's equally impressive and I think he's great so man and uh, he seems like a pretty good dude as well I don't yeah. I don't know if something's immediately going to come out now and I'm going to regret these words a year from now I hope not but um, he seems like a genuinely good dude so like me some Robert yeah. Downey yeah from, from what I've seen he, he, seems, he seems, uh, seems like a decent dude which is nice yeah um, but anything can fucking happen Jesus Christ one of my favourite movies is Tainted the fact that has Kevin Spacey in it so oh uh, <laughs> yeah we're probably going to come a- Ugh, still a good film though I still enjoy the film that's something I've been thinking about a lot of this movie podcast is we're going to come across movies where they have actors in them that are really problematic um, or issues in them which have been handled that, better like they've aged badly and yeah. we should probably tackle them as they come but yes, I think, I think it'll be a case mind. of um, acknowledging it 
straight away. Yeah. And then moving on, like, it's case of, like, um, art from the artist kind of dealio, you know? Mm. Um, which is is a little bit tougher for actors, I think. Cause it is I think it's actually it easier person, for actors than it is for musicians and stuff like that, because musicians are talking about their direct experiences, whereas actors, you can separate it a bit better because they're portraying a character, and you can yeah, pretend yeah, that so, yeah. you can pretend that Pepper Potts isn't Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> for instance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, when, it, when it's a movie, you can kind of get lost in what the character is, rather than, which is why I don't typically have issue um, with that person being in that film. You know, um, mm. which I think is it, it, it's fine. It, that, that's the beauty of acting, though, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's someone becoming a different person. Um, so I think it's very. Um, I am talking about uh, Baby Driver, by the way. If you're you talk about what? Sorry, you cut out there. I'm talking about Baby Driver. Ah. Um, if you want a good movie for good, if you want a movie for good music and the aesthetics all around it, you will not find one greater. Well, definitely. It's fantastic. It's got music ranging from like the 60s to the 80s. It's so good. We'll oh, definitely that, that do Baby Driver. The 60s to the 90s, I believe. Yes. I will be fucking gushing the entire time, <laughs> and I'm not talking about my mouth. Um, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's staying in. Um, but yeah. I think it would be interesting to um, maybe dive into, because uh, Edgar Wright is one of my favourite directors as well, so I, thought, I think it would be interesting to, to, for us to dive into that kind of deal and be like, mm. this is an a, this is a, not actor, this is a director I really like, and these are the films that they've made, which is why I really like them. Mm. So, so Reese, I think it's interesting, because I think, yeah. Yes. To wrap up on Iron Man 2, how would you rate it? On a scale of Tony's arm lasers to Justin Hammer's dud missile, what would you... <laughs> I don't like giving number ratings, but just general impressions. Like, I would rank it War Machine's mini gun. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> I think I agree with you there. It's I, 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 no, 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 no. I rank it. I rank it one Mickey Rourke doing the skip forward with his whips. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, that's. I think that's a lesser ranking than the than the machine gun. I think you've just knocked it down a peg there. No, I I, I like I like um, I did I did like it, and I think um, it was it was more of a character study than an action film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, which absolutely. lends itself to being very much interesting because it's about intelligent people doing not so intelligent things um, for what they think is intelligent reasons. Sure. Um, I think I'm not gonna say anything quite as eloquent as you. I was just gonna say I think it's a good movie, but it ain't a great one. I think it's not as yes, good as Iron Man. There are issues, uh, but I still enjoyed my time watching it. And um, if we could have more lines like uh, "I need a fat beat to beat my buddy's ass too," that would be fantastic <laughs> because that made my day. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, I think I think I, I want to bring up as well that, that just reminded me of that scene. Um, it is played in such a comedic way, even down to the sound effects, because there's that point where they're just punching each other back and forth, and it sounds like a frying pan, which is very stereotypically a very comedic sound. Yeah, which I think was fantastic. So it was like ping, ping, ping. Like it's quite a serious scene, but at least until the point where the music yeah. cuts out, it's quite comedically done. And I think, um, not that's, to get back into yeah. analysis territory, but that's kind of indicative of um, <laughs> Tony as a human being as well, how darker things are yeah. veiled between, behind a line of comedy and humour, which I've talked about in a previous episode. Um, but yeah, we sure. could we could do analysis all day, and we're not going to. We're going to talk about how the fact mm. that um, next week's movie is four. That's the next one in the phase one of yeah, MCU. Baby. And I'm very much looking forward to that one, because that's the first one I ever saw. And it is an okay movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm more looking forward that to talking about one, it than I am to watch it. That one it. again. Yeah, for sure. And that one's definitely going to be more of a character growth uh, talk, I think, rather than the actual, you know, because it's very similar to uh, to Tony, except obviously he becomes a lot, I think, uh, Thor is a lot more changed in that movie than uh, Tony ever does, because Tony always goes back to his Tony-ness, mm. um, whereas Thor very much does change, I think, especially through his movies. I think in Thor we get so much introduction to really important things uh, for the entirety of the MCU, such as Loki and his path and stuff like that. I think as a movie in its own right, I remember being kind of bored about how it wraps up and... I think Thor himself yeah, is one of the weaker points of a movie, and he doesn't necessarily become interesting until he meets the Avengers, and he fits in with them in weird, funky yeah. ways. And even better in Ragnarok, but, you know, we'll get there. <laughs> there's a reason, yeah, there's a reason that um, uh, Chris Hemsworth wasn't interested in doing um, any more Thor movies mm. until Ragnarok came out. And then the, he realised the direction that um, uh, Quentin Tarantino wanted, and he was like, this is awesome, this is so much more fun! And then he, <laughs> yeah. he has agreed to do more, so... Yeah. What's the what's the four four movie gonna be called? Love and Thunder, I think. Uh, Love and Thunder, which I I imagine won't have four Thor in it, but it'll have. Um, I imagine he'll be in it, but he won't be the focus. Oh yeah, isn't that like um, a? He'll probably, yeah, he'll probably just turn up because I imagine he's gonna be part of Guardians three. Yeah. Um. So that'll be that'll be Thor. That'll be like original Thor's movie from now on. Um. Whereas any further falls will be uh, the female Thor. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I am very interested. Because uh, they're bringing back. Uh, well, I don't know if it'll actually be the same actress or not. I imagine they'll try and do I it. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. It'll be interesting. It'll, it'll, it'll be nice to, for to her to different. be more yeah. than just damsel yeah, in distress right? for once. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get into all of that fun stuff next week. Looking at you, pre course. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and she's, she's not exactly free from it in 4 either. I think she has a, a few more empowering moments than in the prequels. I'm, I don't entirely remember. We'll find out. Um, next week, she 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 has moments of like, oh, I've worked something out, but then she needs to be saved again. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, I've worked something out, but I'm also a weak, fleshy mortal. Save me, oh handsome fool! I'm also in trouble. <laughs> oh no, swoon. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining us, everyone. Um, we will be back next week, um, as far as I know, uh, to grace your earlobes, which is the wrong <laughs> place. <laughs> To get graced. Accentuate. Um, sure. Anyway, <laughs> Reese, play us out. <laughs>